This is the AI Assisted Organization podcast by Implement AI with your co-host, myself, Piers Linney, and my co-host and also co-founder of Implement AI, Alok Shukla. Good morning, Alok. Good morning, Piers. How are you? Still on my uh, conversion van tour, like I always say, Amazon van on the outside, private jet on the inside. And I've made it to uh, Luxembourg, not a country I thought we'd be staying in. We got as far as Dubrovnik and decided that 40 degree temperature and forest fires weren't going to cut it for us. So we uh, we cut and run, headed back through um, Austria and Germany. So I got to have a Bavarian breakfast yesterday, which took me all day to recover from. Here we are, back in the UK. I'll be glad, glad to get back actually and actually get onto it rather than a... I've got all the gear today. I've set up my digital camera. I've got my Zoom podcast kit. So hopefully it sounds better today than it did last week. So um, let's get into it. We've got quite a bit to go for actually, quite some interesting um, stuff. So let's kick off. So one of the um, big pieces of news really is the US government has reached a... It's a it's a voluntary uh, agreement with large tech companies. And it's all the tech companies you would imagine it would be. Yeah. Your message, your Microsoft, your Anthropics, OpenAIs, Amazon, et cetera. And um, they've, they've come in a slightly different uh, way as they did in the EU. So the EU are talking about, you know, regulation as well. And I'm sure the UK will kind of follow suit very closely, maybe EU or between the two. But the US have gone for kind of um, three principles, really. So one is safety. So it's a bit like the EU, how safe is it? Depending on the sort of existential risk caused by um, or the potential risk that artificial intelligence could cause, the it may be regulated in different ways. So safety is a really important one. And they want the large tech companies to share information on risk, on development, and on issues as well. And importantly, which is quite interesting, they want to have independent experts test these models, these, these platforms, before they're kind of let loose on the public. And the second pillar was security, as you can imagine. So cyber, reporting vulnerabilities, again, independent testing. And the last one really was trust, which is public trust. This is a bit like the EU as well, where almost they want to have AI-generated content, almost sort of watermarks. I'm not sure how exactly that's going to work, because obviously bad actors don't care. They won't be watermarking anything. So you can see um, that they kind of got slightly different angles where they're coming at it, but they're probably all going to arrive in a similar place in terms of how you regulate and protect the public and uh, industry from the, the, the potential downsides or the complexities that AI can create. No, definitely. And touching on the watermarking part, I was listening to a podcast with Imad Mustak and like in stable diffusion, it's already been built in several different elements of watermark, basically. So that's in the foundational model. So anything created from there would be identifiable as such already. I think all the systems really have these things at the foundations. The question is who can detect it or not. What's quite interesting, though, is if you imagine that, you know, you want to create some imagery for instead of stock imagery for your website or whatever you want to we'll talk, we'll talk later about, you know, website building and creating images for that. Are you going to have everything, you know, watermark, you know, created by AI, mid-journey um, in the corner or Dalek, whatever it might be? It seems to make sense to me. So I'm, I'm quite, I think the idea and the principles make sense, but the, the execution is going to be interesting because nobody's going to have an enormous billboard AI-generated imagery with a, you know, a big sort of um, mid-journey logo stuck in a corner, whatever it might be, some watermark. So I can't quite picture it yet. Yeah. So with the mid-journey one, if you're using the, the subscription model, then you do have commercial license to use those. And um, the watermark, I meant, I meant digital watermarking, basically, right? Like, uh, so it's the file is identifiable as such. So I get like an NFT, which is probably the only use case I think there is of NFTs right now, um, which is it's a watermark content. But visually, if I see a video of somebody or an image, how am I supposed to know if that is um, AI generated? That's the point I don't quite understand because most advertising, for example, you're not going to have access to a digital watermark, are you? And, and that's the way it's going to become increasingly difficult to understand the differences. But I think pretty soon it's going to be safe to assume 
most images are going to have some form of AI component to it, either in retouching, just like with Photoshop, but the speed and the execution I've been able to see of like the, the web designs or the different designs that will kind of lead into that. It's really quite profound, like the, the, the creative range that it's now unlocked for product photography, for video, for images, um, really quite exciting. Like we always say, this is the worst AI is ever going to be. So let's move on. Big one, because this does impact almost every business. And this is one more focused, I'd say, small businesses. And this is text to website, essentially. So you hear the phrase text to image, text to video. But now we're getting to the point where you can almost, and we're going to come back to a chat GPT and you feature later in terms of context. But if you provide enough context, you can almost create a website with a prompt, literally. And that's, that, that's text, that's imagery, product descriptions, the whole lot. So some of the news, and I think, Alan, you've been looking at this as well, but um, Wix has sort of announced that it's going to be launching, you know, text to website. Now, obviously, the more context you provide, the more information, the more content, the more product information, the better it's going to be. There are a lot of these out there. Um, some are very basic. I've tried them. Um, I tend to try most of these things. So they're quite templated. They're just kind of using standard imagery, which you can replace, obviously, very sort of basic templates and layouts. And the, you know, the text doesn't look particularly great, but it's a start. The format, the layout is, is locked. Yeah, exactly. But if you're if you're a small business and you do a website, it's a start, isn't it? Um, so Wix is one of the biggies. Um, you probably see this coming out from the, the others, you know, the square space, of, square space of the world, the more proprietary platforms. But I know you've been looking at this as well, haven't you, Alan? Yeah, so... So you've got like the all-in ones, like the Wix or the Squarespace, or even part of what Shopify we were talking about last week with their sidekick will be able to do those things. But I was watching um, some tutorials on some very interesting ones where they were, they were recreating a, a sports sneaker or a sports shoe website, and they were using MidJourney to create, first of all, examples of the shoe and examples of the website layout, and you could have the prompts in of UI, UX, and different elements from that. And then from getting some different examples, they then upscaled a few of those and then put those into a very simple editing software. And then from within the editing software, a bit like UIZ or a few other ones like this, you could then just literally just type and change what text you want. And they used GPT to actually generate the product descriptions and the elements on the website and the call to action. So the thing is, with two tools such as like Midjourney and GPT or any of the other models, you can literally fine-tune and customize any website you know and that's insane because like the, the the graphics and the um and the appearance of it was very professional so you can totally imagine that you know if you if you wanted to launch your own business doing websites for example and you you like put together four concepts for your you can do these things very quickly and very easily now. Well, also, a lot of these companies, we mentioned this last week as well, is some of the, the stock imagery companies. They're kind of partnering with OpenAI, which is quite interesting, to allow them to use their technology to create images. And in return, uh, the people with the large language models get to train them on their stock imagery. So in some ways, these are sort of moves against an existential threat. Because if you think about it, and, you know, again, you fast forward, it's all about Horizons AI, about how far out you're thinking. In a couple of years, you know, chat gpt will probably be able to create your website it can code uh, they've got the ability to create imagery open ai has that so they can build that in um it can generate content we know that so i mean what more do you actually need all you need really is a selection of layouts and templates and then it will just populate it and publish it thank you very much so if you're any one of these website building companies uh, this technology is a, a threat to your existence yeah and, and if you're like an enterprise company like you, for example like you look at amazon whenever they're trying to do a new product launch they always create their press release first of all isn't it like they write their internal press release about the product to help describe it to internally to um, 
different team members and they have to read that before they can even like execute or even go further down the project. Well, with this now, you could even create the website and the look and the feel for those products. So internally inside enterprise or corporates, you can really get much further in your concept and your presentation to get much further to testing. You know, I think you really, each, each company should have a small team that's able to do this in-house because the possibilities that you can unlock for A-B testing, for new propositions, it's quite profound, really. You made a very good point there because I keep talking about this this battle for the middle ground where small companies can now go after some of the larger company customers and large companies now have the ability to go after the long tail, which is usually the domain of small businesses. You're absolutely right. If, if you're an enterprise, this gives you the ability now. If, if you can separate out a team with the freedom to go and test this, these things or test this stuff, uh, a kind of a skunk works, which um, a lot of large organizations struggle to do, but you can iterate now and create all sorts of content and products and, and you know, just sort of mock-ups or yeah, um, sort of storyboards of whatever you want, really, and test it in turn and test it with customers, test it with focus groups because you've got the resource to do that. So is it going to be very interesting, isn't it, to seeing who wins what I call the battle for the middle ground? It's going to be just data, really, isn't it? I mean, the question is, like, the more you can present a proposition to a customer and get some feedback on that, either through, you know, pay-per-click adverts, social media, um, or even, like, directly presenting, you know, a new product brochure or a new website to different customers through your weekly email, the faster you're going to be able to learn. And the truth of the matter is you still need to interact with customers. So the companies and the enterprises that develop their own, let's call it like an AI and creative suite or an AI innovation suite or whatever you want to call it, that's able to then apply that innovation across different departments for product, for marketing, for sales. Those guys are going to have much more data points to learn from, and they're going to be able to like deliver much more innovative products much faster because they will know, you know, it'll be de-risked what people are interested in going ahead. So I think one of the key takeaways here is like, if you're an SME, you need to be looking at this because you can then iterate and maybe launch different products or refine your products or add premium ones. If you're an enterprise, you have to go after this because you before were constrained in like how many things you could execute with or test. And now you've got the ability to literally reclaim your agility. So I, I think it's a very exciting time now and it, it leads into trading. Love it. There's a book there, Enterprises, Reclaim Your Agility. I can see it all. Well, that is a, a very big point that um, hopefully we'll be talking to some of our clients about. So let's move on to the battle of the LLMs, the large language models. So everyone's familiar with, you know, ChatGPT, you know, Google Bard, which is still not quite there in the, in the various tests you see when it's up against ChatGPT. But one LLM that seems to be gaining ground and traction, often because of its large abilities sort of to, is, is it 70,000 tokens? I'm ridiculous. Is the Llama 2. So what's interesting is that Microsoft have now partnered with Meta, who developed um, Llama 2, um, to basically allow you to use this as an open source LLM, um, unless you've got is it 700 million monthly users or something ridiculous. And then you've got, you know, Claude, Claude as well, which I know you've been using Alloc as well. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? That everyone's focused on ChatGPT, this integration with Microsoft, OpenAI. Microsoft is all over the map, partnering with everybody to try and sell up the market. They're now partnering with Meta, which isn't quite Google in the productivity space, but they are, they do compete in various places. So that's quite interesting. And then Claude 2 as well. It's Claude 2, isn't it now? So what's your view on the large language models? I know what I use. I tend to use ChatGPT, and sometimes I want to put a lot, a huge amount of context in there. Um, Claude? 
Yeah, so I mean, I'm increasingly using both like GPT and Claude. Like, um, so for example, with Claude, like, um, my my dad wanted me to summarize some um, lectures of psychiatry. There was a whole weekend conference, basically. So I was just transcribing and, and entering them into Claude, which then can summarize and, and get the details from that very easily. And what I like very nicely is that we also like um, summarized all of our podcast episodes and extracted all the kind of key action points based on departments. So Claude is very good because of its massive context window. And what I like about Claude as well is they've got very good instructions on, um, you know, you know, prompts design, they call it, and, and the different elements to kind of like make it much better. GPT is obviously like a very useful and strong powerful power horse, but Microsoft, the key thing here for enterprise, like they had a, a partner event, which was broadcast and we were watching that. And that's very interesting because they've got, the ability for enterprise to have their own closed, secure portals with literally they can choose what language model they want to use. You know, they can use Llama, they can use GPT, they can use any of the different other ones and from Anthropic and Claude too. So I think the key thing here is like, you're going to use different ones and it's going to be agent flows. It's going to be like this for this part, this for this part, and this one checking the other one, basically. I think that's where it gets interesting, where you've got different language models checking the output of other ones, but ones which have bigger context windows doing the pre-processing, for example. So I think you're going to need different ones, but I mean, it's just, it's just a very, it's just a very exciting time. Yeah, that's quite an interesting um, session that Satya Nadella did with a lot of the Microsoft uh, global sort of partners. I was actually the Microsoft global hosting partner of the year 2010. So he had those kind of partners in the room. And essentially, he was explaining that the entire Microsoft platform is going to be built around this technology. It's going to pervade absolutely everything. And they're going to make it as flexible as possible. And also, they're going to enable you to choose, like you just said, which language model to use. And also, have all the same permissions you'd expect in an enterprise solution in terms of who can see what, who can access what and you can change uh, what content. What about this announcement though? I mean, Llama 2, you can go and play with it on Hugging Face. Hugging Face is a, is a machine learning platform now. It's sort of um, become a sort of an AI, um, what do you call it, hub for various platforms and models for you to go and play and test with them. But have you, have you used Llama 2? I, I must admit, I haven't really played with it. I opened it. I haven't used it yet. Um, but I think it's just a very clever strategic move by Facebook because they're just trying to like essentially give power to more people, create their own, you know, medical fine-tuned models and different elements like this, really. So it's like the Android versus iOS play, isn't it, I guess, really? They're, they're trying to just have as much open source movement they're going. Yeah, it's interesting that you never thought that Facebook, which is this sort of wall garden, literally, which is probably a smart move, given the fact that, you know, people are going bananas about um, these, these OpenAI et al. scraping their data like Twitter and Elon Musk. So they have this like wall garden, but now they're almost leading the charge, this is meta, on open source models and frameworks. It's, um, it's fascinating, actually. I can't quite work out where they're going with it. Well, they, they released the PyTorch in the past, which was like an open source machine learning framework. And I think it's just a strategic move, really. Like they're just trying to like introduce more elements so that there's no one player that can win, really. Yeah, so so right now we're really using ChatGPT, the kind of the, the sort of public model, the access via OpenAI via the API. And we're sort of using Claude, uh, Claude 2, which has this large context window, which basically means that your prompt can be almost as long as a Harry Potter book. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sort of uh, suggesting you do that, but it means that you can train it almost in a prompt on what you want, how you want it, and what format it needs to look like. So it's, it's very powerful. But just on Microsoft, move on to the next um, point, is that quite a big announcement. So one of the things Microsoft is working on uh, is Microsoft Copilot. So they've got one for GitHub. They're launching one, well, launched one for the OS, um, Windows 11. But the most important ones are Microsoft 365. So this is a, a Copilot built in. So imagine ChatGPT built into the entire Microsoft productivity stack. So if you're in 
you know, um, PowerPoint, even Excel, actually, Word especially, or any of the publishing um, packages, you will never have a blank page. There will be a prompt and the ability to help you generate content and, and fine tune it. Now, what everyone's been waiting for is how is this going to work? So if you're buying Microsoft Microsoft 365 standard packages, depending on what bolt-ons you've got, maybe for comms, you're probably in the UK money, 15, 20 pound a month range per user. And the news seems to be that Microsoft want to charge $30, right? So for it to have Copilot. Now, in our view, if you understand this technology, understand its capability, what you can do with it and how it's going to empower, as, as we said in previous pods, scale up your human resource, that's cheap. But the issue is, in a small business, you know, a couple of, if you've got five, 10 of you, you know, a couple hundred quid a month can make a difference. If you're a large enterprise, you want everyone to have access to this or more, almost the departments that need to have access to it. This could add up to quite a large monthly bill quite quickly. So the point really is, is, hey, I don't want you to think I look about the cost of it because, because I guarantee you, if, if I was a betting man, that Google Duet, when they come out, will, will be nowhere near $30 a month. So the point is going to be is, as you roll this out and start to absorb that expense, is are you going to get the return investment out of it? And that's going to come down to everyone who has, has access to that technology, understanding how to use it and being trained on it to make sure they extract the most value and you as an organization have that return on investment. I completely agree. And I think it's a very powerful and a very um, clever move by Microsoft to do this. And the, the power that they're unlocking is insane. Like there's just so much potential um, built into it. But the thing is, you're just not going to need as many people to do as many tasks because the AI is going to be able to do a lot of it. So companies need to really, really like enterprise need to like strategically evaluate like what is their roadmap? Where are they going to go with things? This is why you, you need to like have someone or a fractional chief AI officer, which is like thinking about like where it's going to be where are we going to deploy AI? Which departments? How is it going to be? How are we going to upskill those people? What are we trying to do with AI? You know, you need to think about this very carefully because otherwise it's going to turn into a bit of a mess basically within companies where you'll have like, you know, shadow IT and people doing work in, in shorter amounts of time than required and you, you lack of control. You need to like have a policy strategy and framework now and because all the, all the tools, all the power is being unlocked. It's quite profound and people aren't ready for the level of power that there is now. And within six months, it'll be even more powerful. So I think that's the kind of key thing now to understand. Even if AI innovation stopped right now, the power that's available right now is, is profoundly disruptive. And over the next six months, that's going to evolve. So you really need to get your strategy and, and your policies in place, really, and, and training so you can start using and benefiting from this because you need to be using it. Yeah, and if you're a small business, you know, that chow the chief air officer is going to be founder the owner the, the md um and, and you know, you're they're, they're putting out fires they're trying to keep a business going and keep the lights on you know we've, we've all been there so trying to keep up with this is very very difficult um if you're an enterprise then this becomes part of a fundamental policy development uh, and what we see, we talk to a lot of, you know, CIOs, CISOs, whatever you want to call them, CTOs even, and it's not really yeah. their job. They're kind of still um, busy on existing long-term projects, you know, transitioning to the cloud or some cybersecurity projects, whatever it might be, rolling some new um, system out or software across an organization. Trying to get your head around this and keep up with it um, is very difficult. So having that sort of chief AI officer, the, the chow, um, and we provide fractional ones in the organization is actually really, really quite important. And I think that as you start to see this technology begin to pervade organization, I mean, once Microsoft turn this on and you purchase it, literally, you know, the, the, the power sitting in front of your, your human resource essentially is enormous. But if you don't know how to use it, A, you're wasting money and B, it actually becomes probably quite annoying because using, for example, you know, chat GPT, yeah, you know how to prompt, you can create fantastic content. 
if you don't, it's very generic, very boring, uh, and it's, it's, there's no competitive advantage. So training and having a, a strategy are really, really important because this is coming and it's coming at you fast. It's no different than anything else. It's just having the skill. I mean, some people with a hammer and a chisel can create Michelangelo's David and other people can just literally just break a rock, isn't it? Right. So it's all about skill. Yeah, I'm definitely the latter. <laughs> right. <laughs> ChatGPT, some big news. They've launched custom instructions. So this is the ability, well, it has memory, essentially. So one of the annoying things about ChatGPT was that you couldn't access the internet. Bing, access to Bing, could have changed that. It was kind of rolled back because it was getting around paywalls. And then you know it's plugins, so you can access things like, you know, there's about seven, even a thousand of them now. Different ways of accessing data or information, like Wolfram Alpha or booking a flight for Expedia. And they're learning very, very quickly of what people want and what's going to add value. And one of the big annoying things was memory. You always have to start a new chat and start all over again. Now, as we all know, as we always say, this is the worst AI is ever going to be. And they're now launching custom instructions, which means that you can, in the back end, create context and provide context who you are what you do how you do it how you like your output how you like it formatted what you want to say tone of voice it can be quite long very detailed so now when you are prompting ChatGPT, the output you're going to get is going to take that background context into consideration so very different if you're a small business you're i don't know you're delivering flowers to somebody trying to deliver um messaging to a heavily regulated large enterprise so one of the things that I haven't got quite my head around yet, which is quite frustrating still, is that, so I use ChatGPT in different contexts. Some is personal, some is implementing AI, some is maybe for doing, you know, I know, writing keynote speech, whatever it might be, researching. And the point there is, is, well, do I need four different accounts? So, and again, this will be solved. This will come. But right now, the main account you use, you can provide this background context. And this is something we've been looking at in some of the applications, or let's call them a co-pilots we develop for our clients where we provide that context in the background, but also kind of four corners of a box. It doesn't stray outside of it. No, I agree. Like um, having the ability to like fine tune your own models, having like clearer instructions coming back to you, having like a more focused message in the tone that you want. That's what everybody wants. Like, you know, a more customized approach. And it's just this kind of like step forward towards more personal AIs that already know all our preferences. So it's really quite exciting that like to see the, the speed of this is evolving at, you know, it's really really moving very quickly and you know we were just talking about code interpreter a few weeks ago and now you've got like custom instructions so the power that's there is is quite profound and i think the key thing is like having a strategy and a structure to to implement this and what's going to be interesting isn't it is whether you know things like microsoft copilot or you know google duet whether they enable you then to do this across an entire organization so that no matter what you type into that that prompt uh, window is that the output you get back is in line with your corporate identity or tone of voice whatever it might be and that's where this is going to go in in larger enterprises where you'll be able to basically build and what again is it's going to be interesting is that chat gpt features are not the same if you've got an enterprise deployment of um say open ai and azure they're quite different the plugins are very different the plugins on the enterprise version are more like cyber security not can i book a flight and expedia but this kind of capability is actually really important across any organization of any size. And also just from a productivity point of view and efficiency, you're not just constantly pasting in the same context. So this is actually a really important development. And I've seen some people looking on Twitter where they've written really long detailed prompts where it's saving a file, writing code, rereading the file, and they're almost recreating that kind of auto GPT mini, they call it baby AGI experience within chat gpt already 
No. And I think that's the key. It's like fine tuning it to the way that you want it to be. And ultimately it's like, you know, everybody having access to one of these LLMs is like having a really smart assistant, right? And then now the question is like, if your assistant's been with you for like a month, you've trained them, you've conditioned them, they, they know what you want. So in this way, it's just allowing you to kind of like do that, but digitally essentially. So you can like fine tune to your preferences. I think it's very exciting. So if you're using ChatGPT+, Plus, make sure you go into settings, you turn on custom instructions. In fact, make sure you turn it all on. If you haven't used Code Interpreter yet, go and have a play with that. Upload some uh, a CSV file and just see what it can do. But in this case, turn on custom instructions and spend some time thinking about what background context you're going to provide to ChatGPT. And then just test it and see what works best by changing that background prompt, that background context, and see what the output looks like. And then go with what really works for you and your organization. Well, let's move on. Apple GPT. Um, so Siri and let's face it, Alexa still suck. <laughs> so, and we all know that they, they've got this amazing access to these. Not for long. Not for long, exactly. They've got this amazing access to these voice-based um, platforms, you know, Siri, Alexa, and Google have got one as well. And it can't be long before these things, you know, start responding to you like an LLM. So Apple thought I've been breathing away and they've made some kind of announcement sort of half-baked about sort of, uh, well, it's not, it's not going to be called Apple GPT, probably not going to be called iGPT either. But they are now starting to make some noise about that they are working on this and the, the noise is coming out of the. And you can imagine that, you know, Siri, based on LLM, given just purely the fact of its distribution and where it is, it, it would be very, very interesting. So right now, you know, I've been playing with Pi, you've got to download an app and, you know, it's, it's this different experience. Whereas with Siri, if you can just talk to your phone and it can respond to you as a chat GPT would do, that's pretty powerful out of the box yeah and then if it can access apps it can execute from that i mean you've basically got an actual personal assistant that's going to be unlocked no you're absolutely right you've got a a platform you've got that co-pilot that personal assistant whatever you want to call it sitting in your phone knowing what's in your phone which might always be a good thing (laughs) knowing what's in your phone and what you do and how you do it uh, and what your objectives are it's going to help you sort of um deliver upon those so Apple getting into this game is really important. The other one that's quiet, which is Amazon. So Amazon, you know, they've launched Bedrock. They make these announcements, but there's not much sort of traction yet. But Amazon want to create and um, be the kind of a, almost the app store for large language models as well. But also we know that the, imagine the Alexa platform, this technology embedded in, again, out of the box, just a distribution, you know, the physical product is built into TVs, fire sticks, just a distribution that Apple and uh, Amazon have got uh, is going to be a, a killer app. No, it's just going to be massively fragmented again, basically. But yeah, you just can't count these companies out. So the AI news really is we're going to focus on a bit of our news really uh, to wrap this up. So we've been sort of, you know, we've been going at this now for several months. We've been engaging with clients, working with them. We've done several events in well, it's done some in Lisbon. We've done several in the UK. We're doing more. They're being organised. What we're finding out really is, is what people want, and that's small organisations, but also um, quite large organisations as well. You know, a couple of up yep. five hundred to a couple of thousand employees. We're sort of talking to. So we've kind of developed the kind of the AI boardroom briefing, which is sort of a, a one and a half hour kind of a conversation to level up your C-suite. Tends to be sort of larger companies, but some small businesses have gone with that as well. That levels everyone up, so you're all on the same page, talking about the same thing. And then we've kind of developed um, what we call AI Activate, which is sort of a 60-day sprint, something where we work on one particular workflow, try and develop that and show the power of this technology. And then you can take it from there in terms of where you want to go with it. And it's like a larger companies that want to invest in more of a longer-term project, six to 12 months, it's AI Accelerate, and then AI 
higher advantage. So accelerates more working on more workflows, trying to optimize your business, looking at what your optimized PL would look like. AI advantage is more, let's do all of that and accelerate, but also let's try and develop exactly. something which creates a long term sustainable competitive advantage, what we call an unfair advantage using this technology. Because you might think everyone's going at this, but like any technology, they're not. If you can get ahead of the game in an exponential world, no one's ever going to catch you up. No, and I think the key thing is, is like, if you're an SME, you know, you want to get, get started and get it, get engaged with us. And if you're an enterprise, then, you know, start thinking about getting some strategy in place. And again, like that's where we can like help you with like a fractional chief AI officer service and, and different elements from there. And I think, and the big news from us really is, is that um, we're now developing digital training and a digital product. So implement AI digital. So this is going to be for people, you know, you, you maybe haven't got the budget or the time quite yet to invest in, you know, AI Activate to AI Advantage. And this is basically giving you access to ongoing support and importantly, training. We think training is going to be actually really important. This technology is going to be very, very quickly. Yeah. And whatever you train somebody on today, whatever co-pilot you develop and roll out today, within a couple of months, you don't have to change it, iterate it all the time. But within a couple of months, six months, you're going to want to update it or change it. In terms of uh, people, your human resource is retrain or at least update the training. So we're launching a digital product, which should be accessed um, digitally clearly, access to information, training, everything we do really, but in a more sort of bite-sized, consumable way. And also to some extent, depending on what package you're on, access to us as well. And then training. And training is going to be designed for small organizations all the way up to very large organizations about how do you extract the most value? How do you extract the highest ROI from this technology whether you've implemented yourself or whether you bought it for someone like microsoft that's it right it's just having a clear roadmap and it's just understanding you know what parts of your cost structure are going to change which suppliers may you not need anymore because you can bring it in house with ai you know what unfair advantage what new proposition can you create for your customers how can you reduce the cost of support there's just so many opportunities and the key thing is just like you know work in a structured way to get those things done but yeah really exciting and i'm really looking forward to the digital track and that will be a great way to take people through all of the key impact areas in their business from marketing, sales, you know, fulfillment, delivery and operations and the, the wins that they can get through that. So really excited to work with more business owners about that. We want this to be everything we do to be as accessible to as, as many organizations as possible. So that, again, just widens our reach and the ability for organizations to understand and adopt this technology. Well, we'll leave it there, Alok. So I'm going to be back in the UK next week, which would be quite nice. And it's been a fascinating week. Um, there's a lot there for you to absorb if you're listening to this or watching this. So we're worth going through it again and making some notes if you haven't already. We spoke to a couple of people who actually listen or watch this podcast and they take notes every week, which is um, fascinating, which is good. I advise you do that. Well, you could actually clearly just use one of the, the plugins in ChatGPT to summarize the entire video for you from YouTube, clearly. That's just a top tip for you. Let's leave it there. So I'm going to be back in the UK next week, which will be quite nice. I've been moving around. I've done, we've done nine countries in two weeks, which is a bit bonkers. So I'm looking forward to be back. And where are you going to be, Alan? I'm, I'm back in Lisbon. I'm very happy to be so with my base and everything like that. So yeah, just um, two things from me. One, um, we really appreciate it if you get a chance to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, always appreciate it. Always like to learn what insights and what you found the most useful. And two, um, if you want to get access to insider information, and um, we have an AI insider newsletter, you can subscribe at implementai.io. Um, so yeah, just um, keep in touch and we look forward to hearing from you. And also, if you sign up to the newsletter, you'd also get, you'll get first dibs or first notice of our Implement AI digital track as well. So look out for that. Right, so we'll leave it there. This is the AI Assisted Organization podcast with Implement AI with your co-hosts Piersley and Alok Shukla. We'll see you next week. See ya.